I'm Ben Horton, and you're listening to Contentious Politics, a new mini-series from the Undercurrents podcast. Hello and welcome back to Contentious Politics, the podcast from the Middle East and North Africa programme at Chatham House, which is exploring the legacies and implications of the Arab Spring 10 years since it emerged, and which is also thinking through how politics within the Arab world is changing and, and likely to develop in the future. This is the second episode in this mini-series. If you've missed the first one, then head back into the Undercurrents feed where you will no doubt find it. And in this conversation, Lina Khatib, the director of the Middle East and North Africa programme, is joined by Laurie Haitayan to discuss changes in Lebanon's political system, and in particular, the political parties which are beginning to emerge as new actors in the political system. Laurie is an energy expert and is also the national coordinator of Takadum, one of these emerging political parties. I hope you enjoy listening. Welcome, Laurie Haitayan, to the podcast of the Contentious Politics Project at Chatham House. Thank you for having me. Laurie, let's start with where things started shifting in Lebanon in terms of street mobilization. October 2019, Lebanon witnessed lots of street protests. They quickly escalated from protests against rises in taxes to protests calling for the whole regime in Lebanon to change. Let's start with your experience. Where were you at that time in terms of that movement? What were you doing and what kind of mobilization were you involved in? Uh, look, uh, it's true that we're starting uh, to count from 2019, but you shouldn't forget that we had other uprisings and other attempts to change the regime or to seek for a better regime in the country since 2005. So it goes back to these years of 2005 when the Lebanese went on the streets to call for the end of the Syrian occupation and they were successful. But unfortunately, that wasn't the best thing that happened afterwards in governance uh, uh, perspective because we ended up like in a very uh, difficult situation uh, in the political system. After that, we struggled a lot and we continued the struggle for a better managed country, if you want, uh, based on democracy rule of law, and uh, it continued until uh, 2013, 2014 with the parliamentary elections that were postponed, and after that in 2011 with the call for a secular state, people were on the street, and again in 2013 and 2014 when, uh, as I said, uh, the parliament, uh, they wanted to postpone the elections, and then 2016 when the, the, the system was unable to provide basic services, which was collecting uh, garbage from the street. And then in 2018, again, a political uh, movement to call for change. And it culminated in 2019 and it continued till today. So it has been a continuous seek of change in the country and a change in direction of where they were the establishment 
wants to take us, which is an entrenched sectarian system, and where this new wave of people, where they want to have a secular state, where everybody is one and equal in front of the law. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you're right to point out that 2019, the protests that were heavily at the time covered in the media everywhere, were not alone. They they were not uh, isolated. They came after years of mobilization, as, you, as you've just said. My key issue here is what kind of mobilization did we see at that time? Because outside observers saw a lot of people gathering in the streets in 2005, of course, in 2015, leading into 16 with what you mentioned with the garbage crisis. And then 2019, again, we're talking street mobilization, street mobilization, street mobilization. And yeah, our main topic today is talking about the move towards formalizing mobilization or institutionalizing mobilization through the formation of political parties. So I'm very interested in seeing, did these protests lay the ground for the establishment of new political parties in Lebanon later on? or was the uh, establishment of new political parties in Lebanon, in a way, a parallel movement? So that's why I was intrigued yeah. as to where you were in 2019 in particular, because kind of that's the latest wave of, of big protests in the country. So 2019, as you said, it was like people went on the street asking for, once again, reform. And the shift had been, I think, in 2020, when we do, when we did realize that there is a need for a political movement, an institutionalized political uh, movement to carry on this burden of reform because it, it's not coming easy. It is being very difficult because the system in the country is very difficult. It's not a one-person system where you ask for re the removal of that person and then the whole system collapses. It's a group of people that are running the country. So it was the right moment. It was ripe in 2019, 2020 to really move on from this mobilization on the streets, from an activist perspective, from a civil society perspective, into like more of a political perspective, getting together under uh, emerging new political parties and establishing these political parties, institutionalizing all of this activism and move on from there to really uh, seek power and to challenge the establishment into going into the, the institutions and bringing change from there. So I think this was the, the most important mo moment since, if you want, 2005 till 2020. So 15 years of activism that led to today forming these political entities, new political entities that most of them are a very uh, secular. They have in their, um, their members, they have uh, people from different uh, sectarian uh, background, and it goes ag against the, uh, the establishment and the political parties in the establishment that are pure sectarian, uh, identity-based political parties. Yeah, absolutely. So for anyone who's listening who is not aware of the political system in Lebanon, the, the, the key problem in this system is that it is a sectarian system and that the political parties in the establishment, the ones in power, are sectarian and therefore do not represent Lebanese citizens at large and therefore do not really work in the national interest for the most part. The problem in Lebanon is that the status quo had been in place 
for so long, for, for decades. So we're talking, yes, the last 15 years, but when you zoom out, a lot of these parties, you know, have been in existence for a very long time and had been in place and uh, therefore do not want the status quo to change. So they've been resistant to opening the political space to any new voices and have actively tried to block the formation of new political voices, not just in the last 15 years, but even, even before that. So on that note, Laurie, I'm wondering if you could maybe think of any examples in the last 15 years before the, the, the 2020 moment that you talked about. Were there any attempts at establishing new independent political parties that are, were not sectarian, that were derailed? by the establishment somehow? In 2011, when there was this call uh, to the streets, again, mobilization against the sectarian regime, uh, calling for a secular regime, I think that was an attempt kind of to bring people together to call for this uh, secular uh, uh, regime. It wasn't a political party per se, but this was the first attempt uh, and a very clear attempt that enough is enough the sectarian regime is not enough for people. It's not serving the purpose and we need to move on on something new. So again, it took so much to uh, go back to forming real political parties and have the courage to create new political parties because it does require a lot of human resources. It does require a lot of financial resources and that we don't have that much, you know. But again, in 2011, it was very clear the attempt by, by then, by the Speaker of the Parliament, to hijack that movement. And this is when it failed, that movement failed, because it was hijacked by the Amal movement, which is not considered at all as a secular political party. On the contrary, is one of these Shia political parties in the country. So... There were different attempts. Uh, later on, I guess, the closest was the Sharb al-Nahas, which is one of these prominent figures in Lebanon. And he, used to, he, he was a minister and he resigned because he couldn't uh, stand what was happening in the government and how these people were running the country. Later on, he established a political uh, party. He was the first, if you want, among this new opposition to create a political party, Muwatinun wa Muwatinat Fidawla. And that experience, I guess, encouraged others that, yes, this is the right track. We need to move on into creating these institutions to go and challenge the establishment. Yes, absolutely. I mean, one can see that today in Lebanon, there are more of these parties forming, not many, but still, it is a radical shift, in my view, from just street mobilization that was leaderless and grassroots. This time, we have political parties that are working on developing platforms that are uh, very clear about their political objectives. And one of those parties is, of course, your party. So can you maybe talk us through, now that we've talked a little bit about the context, how your party emerged? What are the particular circumstances that led to it? Taqaddum is one of these emerging political parties. From its name, it says like Taqaddum, it's progress. So it's a progressive party that looks for the sustainable development in this country and social justice. And we look to put the citizen at the center of politics and empower the citizens to be like real citizens and break with this clientelism system that we have and push citizens to be really engaged in politics and know that the power is in their hands 
to change the agenda and to really change the way this country is, is being run. So that is the aim of the party, redefining politics in this country and really bringing uh, people to get engaged. Most of the founders had experiences in uh, political activism uh, for years and years, but it was either it was in some movements or uh, later on, as we said, like this mobilization that happened under the umbrella of uh, civil society. And we decided that it is time we create our political party with the vision that we have and with what is missing in the country. As I said, there is social justice non-existent in the country. People are left to their own. For years and years, uh, the, the government refuses to reform the electricity uh, sector and you end up paying two bills because you need to pay for the electricity from the state and then you have to pay for the generator, the private generator, so that you can get 24 hours of electricity. This is done on purpose. You are left alone. Uh, medical help, again, you have one which is maybe not as good by the government and then you need to go and have your private health insurance. So everything is double bill in this country because you're left on your own. And we want the state to be back to the people and the people to be back to the state. We are eager to have the state back and we want to work for the state and we don't want to work for the militias that exist in this country or for the crooks and corrupt people that are in this country, running the country in the name of their sects or whatever. They've created this identity and they're fighting for or against. So it is really challenging, as I said, because human resources, uh, financial resources are very important so that you could do this thing. And on top of that, it's like we are people that do go to work, right? From nine to six, we work to, to make money and then this money to put it into our political party. So we do work on, if you are growing our political party in limited hours and we don't have, we're not working 24-7 because of these uh, financial limitations and because we don't want to get uh, money from places that might endanger our positioning. This is the work that is being done, and we're not alone in this. Taqaddum is doing that work. Taqaddum is really clear on uh, engaging citizens, on bringing back the state to the citizen, on networking with like-minded political parties outside the country so that people would understand that if you are a political party, as us, we are like part of this progressive social democrat movement, we do engage with like-minded political parties in Europe, in the States, so that we build a network of parties that have the same values and the same and a belief because politics is local, yes, but there is regional and there is a global politics as well, but on equal stance and not what we have here where you have political parties that are in or affiliated to uh, foreign states and they implement their, the agenda of foreign states instead of really implementing the agenda of the interest of the people. So redefining national interest, redefining politics, redefining the role of citizens, this is what Taqaddum is doing. And yes, there are others as well that are doing this work. So the, the work that has been done or is going on is really something that we should recognize and acknowledge. Because I know uh, sometimes we meet with, with the international community and they ask us like, what are you doing? Where are you? We don't see you on the streets or you're not on the streets so you're not protesting. Does that mean that you are okay with the, uh, with the spike in the gasoline prices? We're like, 
guys, there's a lot of institutional work that is being done, which is the sustainable way of really building politics in the country and to bring back the, the state because today the state is non-existent. The state is hijacked and this is taken hostage by a bunch of people. They call themselves leaders of this country. Absolutely. I mean, you've really described the context very, very vividly and the objectives. If we talk about the day-to-day challenges, you mentioned the lack of funding. How are you able to campaign when you have such limited resources and such limited time? So we're working 24 hours, right, <laughs> around the clock. So we are uh, through projects that we, or th- through projects, meaning through, for instance, let's say for Taqaddum, for instance, we have the issue of the uh, maritime uh, border dispute with, uh, with neighbors like Syria, uh, Cyprus, Israel. Uh, that portfolio is a portfolio that, as Taqaddum, we are working on trying to really counter the narrative uh, of the state on that to really uh, explain to people what is at stake and what is the Lebanese citizen losing uh, with the mismanagement of such a portfolio or with policies that are not the right policies or with strategies that are not the right strategies. So this is, for instance, one thing that we are doing as a campaign that is attracting people. So there are there is this kind of method and approach through a portfolio that we carry and that we really go and campaign. And there is the the on-the-field work. So we have our people going to the regions, talking to people about the values of Taqaddum, about the beliefs of Taqaddum, and what Taqaddum has as a a program for for the party. And at the same time, if we're going to go to the parliament, what could be our plans to work on, what could be the agenda that we will be having in the parliament, because now, you know, the elections are coming uh, and we would want uh, to run as new emerging politics, political parties to challenge the establishment. So there's a lot of uh, mental and uh, intellectual work that is being done. There is work on the field so that we promote the work that Taqadum is doing. And we do have work with stakeholders. Like we do have a project on uh, agriculture that we are doing in, in regions where we are helping agriculture farmers on creating new uh, models, business models, so that they can find the markets for for their product. So there are different kinds of work that we are working on and approaches that we are using so that we can attract people to the party and uh, work together to continue this, the fight, the political fight for a better country. To me, this sounds very different from your previous experience running for parliament in the past. So maybe can you talk about what you learned from trying to basically be a parliamentarian in a, a previous round of elections and how that experience was? And, and what are the lessons that you learned then that you are applying now? Look, in 2018, when we ran for elections and I was one of the uh, 66 people that had uh, uh, run under the umbrella at that time of civil society, At that time, it was like all activists coming together and wanting to run for elections. And that was it, you know. For instance, me as Lori, I never had like this uh, day-to-day connection with people on the ground. I had my portfolio, which was energy and transparency in the energy field. It was something very important at that time in the country. Everybody was talking about oil and gas. I thought that that thematic area could help me like really convince people to vote for me. And that was my campaign. And I was alone, right? I was 
with a group of people, but we were not like one political entity working together. So it was like people coming together under one umbrella called Kuluna uh, Watani at that time, and we ran for elections. So it was like kind of independent people running uh, with the aim of, okay, we're challenging the establishment. But there were no, uh, if you want, like deeper thoughts on policies, etc. At that time, each person had its own or her own agenda, and we were running with that. And now in 2022, when we are going to run for elections, it's a complete different dynamics. Now, as I explained to you, we, are, we have these emerging political parties. So they're establishing themselves. They're clearer on the policies. They're clearer on their identity, political identity. They know what exactly they want to do. And they, they are creating today coalition, a coalition to uh, go together into the parliament. And hopefully if they make it, so that they would have an agenda together, working together to bring change from within the parliament or at least to change the dynamics of how things happen in the parliament. So definitely a different uh, dynamic, but with the same objective, which is it's about time to do politics the right way today. It's through political parties. We need to go to the parliament. We need to go challenge them so that we can implement our policies and agenda and program. So we're really talking about different individuals running in the past versus now institutions forming coalitions, which is a very different ballgame. How hard has it been to try to form a coalition? Because one of the things in Lebanon that I observe is that the status quo, the establishment, thrives on divide and rule. So it is in their advantage for any oppositional movement to be fragmented. And actually, even when you look at street mobilization, one of the challenges uh, faced in street mobilization was to try to get people to come together under one coherent umbrella or at least some sort of harmonic kind of position and way forward. It seems to me that a lot of progress has been made in that regard, like, you know, the formation of the parties of which yours is one. But how hard has it been for your party to find like-minded other parties that are willing to work together to face the establishment? Today, uh, this is what we are working on. After we finished all the uh, internal infrastructure of creating these political parties. So now this is the next level where we are kind of working across different political parties and looking at like-minded political parties internally to see like who have like kind of the same thinking or the same political uh, reading of the situation, political positioning, etc. And we are creating these uh, coalitions. Uh, currently today in Lebanon, we have, if you want, two uh, big uh, entities, uh, which is one of them, it's the Lebanese Opposition Front, where we as Taqaddum are in, and that includes new emerging political parties like Liqa Tishreen, Khat Ahmar, and then you have the Kata'ib party, you have Michelle Ma'awad on this front. And there are others, I don't want to forget them, but like basically these are the uh, one on one side. On the other side, you have the uh, coalition of 13 of uh, April that includes the National Bloc, that includes Mintishreen, that includes Tahal of Watani, 
Beirut Madinati, so includes other entities, and you have a couple of entities that, uh, or political parties that they don't want to be in any coalition. So what we are trying to do today, it's like all of these different entities, even if we're together in the Lebanese opposition front and, and the coalition of 13 April, we're trying to bring people together so that we create a broad a co- a coalition, a broader one, so that we can go as much as we can united into the elections and win. Because one good example that happened during the the election of the uh, engineers, the syndicate of engineers, we applied that model of different entities coming together as coalition so that we go united against the political establishment and then win the elections. And this is what happened, actually. People went to vote for the opposition. They didn't care who was in that opposition as long as they knew that this is the opposition against the establishment. And it worked. Syndicates is different than parliament, right? But at least this model has worked and we know where the challenges are and the difficulties are. So we are continuing into that path and in that spirit of as much as we can, we should be united under one umbrella with clear objectives, clear understandings, and go create that way for the people, give them hope so that they go vote for the opposition. Absolutely. I mean, you're right. Uh, The syndicates, the unions have been a very good uh, testing ground. Even student council elections at various universities showed the value in working institutionally and also later, as you cited, uh, working together. From the outside... If someone is looking at Lebanon from the outside, the status quo obviously still prevails. Your efforts, despite these successes, are not perhaps getting as much attention. What would you say the international community should do to kind of support this progress that is happening in Lebanon? And I'm not talking about giving funding to political parties that are emerging because that's not that's not the issue but do you feel that the voices of these movements are being heard internationally or not being heard enough and 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 if not then what can be done to increase the profile and basically to be taken seriously on the recognition side i guess we've made a great progress uh, because every time there is a delegation that's coming to lebanon they are meeting with the emerging political parties. And today they understand that these are completely different than civil society organizations. We are not talking about NGOs here. We're talking about emerging political parties that are seeking to take over the parliament or like, and later maybe to form even a government. So on that level, there is progress. So every time a delegation is in the country, they are meeting with the emerging political parties and they're hearing them. Right, And they're seeing the progress that is being made and the work that is being done. So that is very important. Secondly, how can they support? For instance, today we have elections and the parliamentary elections coming soon, hopefully. Let's see. And the government was asking for the international community support, the financial support, so that they could do the elections because they're saying we don't have enough money to hold, to hold the elections so that we need the support. We were saying that if the international community wants to give money, this should be conditional. There is no free money. And that means, for instance, in this case, 
that we want them to push the same way that we are pushing internally to establish an independent electoral management body that will manage the elections away from the Minister of Interior. Because today in Lebanon, it's the Ministry of Interior who runs the elections, who manages the elections. And we know that means that there is a possibility of falsifying the elections. So we want, for instance, that is the establishment of the electoral management body. And this is where we seek the support of the international community that in case you are going to give them money, at least have this condition on the table because this is something that we as people of this country want to see because having an independent electoral management body will increase the trust in the electoral process and will attract more people to go and vote. This is one. There are other changes, for instance, like having the mega centers and the polling stations instead of being in the, re- in the villages and the regions of people, uh, uh, so people need to go to their villages or to their uh, regions, they can vote in big polling stations in different places. And these are the mega centers. So therefore, you have less pressure as a person that when you go to vote in these mega centers rather than going to, going to your village and in your village, if there is one certain political entity that is dominating, it will be very intimidating for you to go vote against them. So the mega center is another vote, is, a, is another way to support elections. Third, which is the diaspora voting. Again, this is not maybe something that the international community has a say in it, but this is something that we as locals are pushing for the diaspora to be able to vote. So, For instance, this is the kind of support that we ask from the international community to support us in approaches that we have and in campaigns that we're doing in the country so that we have better representation. On the third way, we don't want them to fall into the trap of the establishment. Example, lately, with the crisis, the financial crisis and the economic crisis, the government has done nothing to save the situation. On the contrary, they kept people in absolute uh, chaotic situation. We had the electricity problem, the gasoline, petrol, benzene problem. Uh, We had so many problems with the food prices increasing. They've done nothing to solve that problem. They waited until the international community was ready to be really alarmed by it and wanting to aid Lebanon and have humanitarian aid coming again into the country, so money pouring again into the country under the umbrella of humanitarian aid. And the international community pushed and pushed for these people, same political parties, to form a government, which is today the Mikati government, where we don't think will make any change. So this is a trap that the the establishment is really good at it. So today they have fallen into that trap or again supporting a government that shouldn't be supported because this government is unable of doing reforms. And now we hear from the EU saying that, you know what, we're going to give them a chance because now they have a government. So let's give them a chance a bit so that maybe they could do the reforms and maybe solve the crisis in the country. So this is a trap that the international community has fallen into it. And this is what we are warning them, saying that don't fall into the trap of these people. These people are unable to do the reforms. They are anti-reform. They cannot do the reforms because the reforms go against their interest and their survival. So this is actually what we are uh, fighting for. We are, put, we are fighting in the country, creating counter-narratives to the false narratives that are being 
created in the country, at the same time talking to the international community about all these things that are happening so that we prevent the international community under maybe good intentions to keep on supporting this government and this government or maybe other governments that are formed by these political parties. These political parties cannot save the country because they are the source of the misery of the country. Absolutely. And on that note, I want to say thank you, Laurie Haitayan, for a really, really comprehensive conversation about the context of the emergence of the parties, the challenges you face, the, your objectives and what the international community can do to help. And I just am very curious to see what happens with the elections that are meant to take place in 2022. And I can also say, you know, having been looking at Lebanese politics for, well, all my life, really, because I was born in Lebanon, <laughs> that there is definitely an evolution going on. So anyone who thinks that the situation in Lebanon is stagnant just because the status quo has remained in place really should dig beneath that that facade and, and, and see that uh, actually there are alternatives being uh, developed on the ground and the new political parties are definitely one very positive indicator. So thank you so much, Lori, and hopefully see you again in Beirut at some point soon. Thank you. Thank you, Lina. Thank you. Well, that's it for this episode of Contentious Politics. Thank you very much for joining us. I hope you enjoyed it. And if you're generally enjoying the podcast, please do like us, share us on social media, subscribe in whichever podcast app you're using to listen to this and leave us a review because it makes it far easier for other people to find us. If you'd like to find out more about the work of the Middle East and North Africa program, the best way to do that is to check out the Chatham House website, www.chathamhouse.org, or to follow them on Twitter at ch underscore menap. We'll be back very soon with another episode for you. But till then, thanks for joining us.